If you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn to the book of Joshua. We have uh, been introducing the book of Joshua in the last couple of weeks, and today I, uh, I get the pleasure of opening up to you Joshua 1. We're going to go through 9, and then next week I'm going to continue uh, with the rest of the chapter. And uh, this has been a, it's been a great, uh, what, four or five weeks for me to, to uh, be away. Uh, have had some great time of vacation. Want to thank many of you for praying for our family. And uh, really am excited to be back here at, in 12 South and at 12 South with you today. Very, uh, feel, uh, just help me this morning by, uh, please, uh, uh, I was telling some folks this morning, uh, you know, many times I, I get it, I get kind of, it gets kind of crazy because it's tough to talk about the Old Testament because the Old Testament seems so epic. It seems so Charlton Heston, you know what I'm saying? It seems so movie. It seems so, I mean, what are the epic films that you went to? You sat in front of them in this movie theater and you looked at these movies and you go, you got to be kidding me that this is happening in front of my face right now. I'm watching this, okay? Obviously for me, the best one ever epic film, Braveheart, completely. I mean, unbelievable, just epic. You know, you know, you know, William Wallace stand up there before the guys. What will you fight for? Will you fight for freedom? You're just going, yes. I mean, you just, you know, it's that kind of thing. And you feel this, you feel this kind of this epic nature of, uh, of the, the Old Testament. And you feel that here in, in, in Joshua. I hope you get it. And of course, you know, for those of you that have heard me, it doesn't take too much for me to get cranked up. And so this is, I'm really kind of cranked up on this passage today and really feel like um, it's, it's very difficult, though, to talk about because I feel like one of those little Lego creatures um, that, but that's speaking about, like, this huge truth, and I'm just so small. So we have to really trust in the Lord to just do his work today because I am just this frail guy who is just uh, trying to do my best here, right? You get it? Let me give you a little bit of a, of a, of a snapshot. I think it'd be helpful for us if I gave you a little bit of history what brings us up to Joshua chapter 1. I'll try to give it to you kind of quick, but listen, it's kind of an, you know, an edited version of what's kind of transpired. And here's what it is. The Israelites were obviously God's chosen people, and they lived as slaves in Egypt. You know this story, for 400 years. And they dreamed every day of being released and set free. And God raised up a leader. And who was the leader that he raised up? Moses. He raised Moses up as a leader to lead them out of bondage. And God said, I have a special place for you, my people. I have a special place, a place called Canaan that I'm going to take you to. And God, and uh, as a result, or before that actually took place, after God sent 10 plagues to Egypt, Pharaoh finally tells Moses to leave. But Pharaoh changes his mind and chases after the Israelites. You're seeing it right now, right on the movie, right? You're picturing yourself in the living room where you saw the movie, right? You're seeing it, you know, the jello parting and all that kind of stuff in, 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 the, uh, in the film. The Israelites come to the Red Sea. They have nowhere to run. God divides the Red Sea so that only the Israelites could walk through. It's this Old Testament epic miracle. They look back, and Pharaoh and his boys are being plundered by the Red Sea, but they're being held safe. It almost kind of seems unbelievable, doesn't it? And God leads them on their way to Canaan, and he goes ahead of them 
as their deliverer and their protector and their leader. And he, he absolutely takes care of everything that they need in order to survive. And they see his presence during the day by a cloud. And they see his presence during the night by what? Fire. And they were hungry and God provides quail and manna. And that had never been on the diet before. They didn't know anything about manna, but God provides manna. God caters the meal each day for them. He makes sure that he takes care of every bit of their needs. Follow the story now. Listen to what I'm saying, because it all has a context. With all that God had done and was actively doing, you would think that the people would unite around God's agenda, and instead what they do is complain. They had been in captivity for over 400 years. They had been killed. Their families had been tortured and killed. They wanted, they prayed for years for a release. They get the release. And now we've come to the place where they complain. They grumble about everything. They mutter, they grumble about actually about even Moses and his wife, their leader and his wife. They complained about the food they were eating and dissension was everywhere. Let me uh, make sure that I uh, say something to all of you, and this would be to my family, the family of 12 South. Some of you are visitors. I think it would be wise for me to give a little bit of, say something to maybe take a little care of a little family business. And it would be this. This whole thing that's transpired and that's taking place here at, at 12 South with Russ coming to be uh, your pastor, you need to understand um, we believe that God is leading us in that. And we believe that it's good that Russ and I are doing this together and we actually would even tell you that we believe that the transition between me not teaching every Sunday and me not doing whatever it is at 12 South that I did before, the confusion and the craziness of all that is even okay. Do you know that? That God is even over and sovereign and providential over all of the transition, over all of the craziness. And I want to encourage you, children, because I probably even more than you, I want to encourage you to look at the children of Israel here. And the children of Israel, the Israel, their heart and their mouths got them into big trouble. And one of the things that takes place in our lives when we fear things and we don't understand things and maybe here or in our homes or with our friendships is we begin to grumble as people. We begin to cause dissension. And I'm not saying that's, that this is a big issue that's happening here. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that we as people have a tendency to do exactly what these people are doing. When things get a little rough or crazy or unclear, we have a tendency to grumble and complain. And some of you, for instance, some of you that are wives, when you get together with other wives, you have no problem getting together with your wives and complaining about your husbands. Do you? Some of you that are Husbands, when you get together, you'd have no problem complaining and talking and creating, now follow me now, you're creating dissension and space 
with your mouth, with your other friends about your wife, or with your friend that's sitting here, or your friend that's in college that's taking whatever class with you, or your mom, or your dad, or your church folks. Let me tell you something. The Bible has very clear instructions about our mouths. And one of the things that I would challenge you with is if there's issues that you have, even here at the church, the way we've always handled issues, questions, talk to the people that you need to talk to. If you have a problem with your husband, don't talk to the ladies that are in your Bible study. Talk to your husband. If you have a problem with your wife, talk to your wife. By the way, you don't need to go get counsel to talk to your wife. You don't need to go get counsel to talk to your husband. You don't need to go get counsel to talk to your pastor. <laughs> you don't. You're just a brother. You're a sister. We are in the confusing times of life. And by the way, it's all in the scriptures and we can talk. We can handle things. And that's the way that we don't create dissension. Very important for us to hear that, I think. So allow me to lead you a little bit in that. Each time this happened with these people, God would get furious with them, and each time Moses begged God to forgive the people, which is very interesting that, God, that Moses would come before the Lord and say, please, please, please be patient with your people. Moses seems to be always asking God to put up with the people. And, but they continued to refuse and unite. And in Numbers 13, they are near the land that God promises them. It's like the night before the big game, and Moses chooses 12 spies to go into the land. Do you know the story? Twelve spies go into the land for 40 days. The 12 spies come back. And how many of them give a bad report of the land? Do you know? Do you remember? Ten give a bad report of the land. Joshua and Caleb, the other two, say, oh, it's, 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 it's a land flowing with milk and honey, and there's really big enemies there, but we can do it. But the other ten, you know what they did? This is interesting. The other ten spread what the Bible calls an evil report among the people. And the report wasn't evil because it was false. It was not that they were spreading lies. The report was evil because of how they were spreading the information. It was not what they were saying, but how they were saying it. The evil report spread among all the camp like a wildfire. And that night, the people wanted to actually stone Moses and Aaron. And they actually said this, it would be better if we just died here in the desert. You know what our greatest gift is? It's the gift that the children of Israel had. It's called holy forgetting. We forget. We forget what the Lord's done. We don't look back enough because we're told not to ever look back. And that's what the people had done. They had forgot, hadn't they? They forgot that they were slaves. And many of us in this room have forgotten that we're slaves, that we were once slaves, and that we've been saved. Moses is a beautiful precursor of our deliverer Jesus. And now Joshua comes as a precursor of our deliverer Jesus. And so now we come to Joshua. That's the state of the people. It's not good. 
so you can totally understand it now when I'm gonna read this scripture and God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you. (laughs) It's like you wanna look at Joshua and go, you're gonna need it, dude. And you may not need it because of all those giants over there. You may need it because the people that are going with you, it's really gonna be difficult. Trust me, I got the giants, I got the walls, I got the wars, but the people, (laughs) and it's always that way, isn't it? Joshua 1. So listen, it says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all these people, into the land that I am giving to them to the people of Israel. And every place, look what God does in verse three, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given it to you, just as I promised Moses. Verse four, from from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river of the Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Verse six, what a strong statement. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them only. Be strong and very courageous, (laughs) being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, Stay on course, is what God's saying, that you may have good success wherever you go. Look what he says. In the midst of all this craziness of leading all these people, this is what I want you to do. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Verse 9, the last verse. Have I not commanded you? Question mark. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Just a a couple of things that I I want to share with you. And the first thing that I want to share with you is something that the Lord's been dealing with me on um, for the last about four to five weeks. And and I, I think it's very appropriate that I share it with you. And I I wanted to point it out in where it says in verse 1 there, where it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, Moses, my servant. And this statement of being a servant of the Lord and my servant is truly a, a statement of honor. And it's also a statement of ownership And I began to think about my life, and maybe we can think about ours today a little bit too. When it's all said and done, and when I'm dead, and when you're dead, will the title that our Lord gives us be servant of the Lord? Will the Lord say, Joel, my servant, my servant is dead? Walt Whitman has a beautiful quote when it says this, O me, O life, 
of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, what good amidst these, O me, O life, answer that you are here, that life exists in identity, that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse, that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. What verse will it be? And I thought about that. And I thought about the massive chasm in my life between the things that I do as service and the massive chasm between the fact, am I actually, would I actually be entitled, listen now, as a servant, a servant. For those of you that, um, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, I can't tell it, uh, all of it, I'm just going to give you a piece of it. In about 1953, five men, young college men, about 23, 24, 25 years old, went to Quito, Ecuador as missionaries. Have you ever heard that story? To bring the gospel to the Aka Indians there. And the long and short of the story was they were martyred. They died doing this mission. Jim Elliott was a man, and he was, the, he was a graduate of Wheaton College. He was a graduate in 1949. And as I began to read this story, it struck me on how much of a different view he's had of his own life versus the view I have of mine, even as a, this was written in his junior year of college. And I would have to tell you that as a 50-year-old, I don't think that I believe what he writes here about himself. Listen to this, it's interesting. It's his journal entry. There is no such thing as attainment in this life. As soon as one arrives at a long-coveted position, he only picks up his desire to notch or so and looks for a higher achievement, a process which is ultimately suspended by the intervention of death. Life is truly likened to a rising vapor, coiling, evanescent, shifting. May the Lord teach us what it means to live in terms of the end. Like Paul, who said, Neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy. In his diary of the summer, he wrote this. He makes his ministers a flame of fire. And he says, Am I ignitable? God, deliver me from the dread asbestos of other things and saturate me with the oil of the Spirit that I may be aflame. I began to be really intrigued that I began to go, what in the world's going on inside that guy's mind and life and heart that would make him get on a boat and go to Ecuador and give his life for the gospel he couldn't have been more than 24 years old when he died. Well, I guess the one thing that I would tell you would be that he understood the theory or the theology, if you will, of ownership, and that was this, that I am the Lord's servant. I'm not my own. 
And for those of you that are here with me, you probably know that maybe that's your sin because I know that's mine. This is a very, very different way of viewing life when we think about this concept of service and we think about that you're the Lord's servant and that we are not our own. Even Paul says, do, not, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. College student, what would it look like for you to glorify God with your body this year? Wow. You didn't expect that question today at church, did you? Sorry. I don't mean to be a party pooper. No, I kind of do. What would it mean for us to glorify our bodies? After all, what would it mean for us to actually look and say, if we call ourselves sons of the living God and Christ followers, we understand that we are owned by someone. We understand that we have a master. We understand that we're not the masters of our own universe, that we're not our sole caretakers. In fact, we're lost. We're servants. We use our bodies to say yes to God. Most of us are servants, but we're, but, uh, we're not the Lord's servants. We're our own, our own servants. I serve me and my desires, and if it doesn't work out just right for me, it's simple, I don't do it. In other words, my feeling and my schedule is what everything has to do with service. It's all about me. I'm, I'm confessing my sin. I don't know about you. Most of us have massive attitudes about our service. We complain and we compare, and if others aren't serving, then why should I? And oh, by the way, our service can't be difficult. It can't be a sacrifice. We categorize our service. I've done my service for the day. Great, punch the clock, click, click. What things can I do to kind of show myself and others that I'm a servant? And so when I answer the question, are you a servant? Or, or so when we, when we think about answering the question, would the Lord call you a servant? I would say, well, I hope so, because I serve in such and such a way, and I do things such and such, like a couple of times a month, I do things. I serve. I'm a servant. No. No. <laughs> It's like, and somebody's going to be really mad at me. I've been on short-term mission trips. Have you ever been on these? These two-week deals that you go, one, and, and there's they're, they're so many things that are about them that are great. But when I go on them, all of a sudden I get off the plane onto the tarmac in the Dominican, and I become a servant. Do you get it? Do you get what I'm saying? Back here in the United States, I serve in the nursery a few times when it fits my schedule. Don't get me wrong. I bring a cookie. Sometimes I'll, I'll help some people. I'll serve a meal if it's not if it works for me. You know, I, you you get it right. But suddenly, when I go on the short-term mission project, hit the ground in the Dominican. Um, I got the Holy Spirit aura. As a Presbyterian, I'm speaking in tongues. It's amazing. It's amazing. I'm a servant. People ask, I'm on the team. People ask me to do things. 
You know, Joel, you know, we had this long day of work. And I'm, I've been pounding on the house and building the porch. And I know carpentry skills. And, you know, as I'm, as I'm sawing the wood, I'm going, I'm a servant. Uh, you know, I'm just loving. The, I'm so prideful in my service. I'm giving my life to something worthwhile. Doggone it, this two weeks is amazing. I'm amazing. Right? Don't you get it? So I'm a servant, so I fill up my tank. I'm a servant. There, I did, that, that's, not what it, that's not what we're talking about. And, and, and don't, don't come up to me and say, oh, so you don't believe in short-term missions. No, I think short-term missions are great. But the, the, the concept that I'm trying to talk with this about is what would it actually look like for us to answer the big question? And the big question is this. When you die at the end of your life, can the Lord look at you and say, you are my servant. You are a servant of the Lord. Because that has to do, that statement has to do far more with your identity, your functional identity as a son, than it has to do with the things that you do on a monthly basis. Or, or whatever the case may be. I mean, if you're like me, you know, my neighbor, right? My neighbor's house burned down and I wanted to go out and give her some Kool-Aid and I walk back in and, <laughs> servant, Kool-Aid servant. I'm not, a ser- that doesn't make me a servant. I'm going to follow what I'm saying here. There's a big difference between acts of service, things I do for God, and being a servant. And in Joshua, when Joshua, when he, he sits here, and Joshua has this conversation with the Lord, he says to, uh, obviously, you know, Thanks, Lord, for reminding me that Moses, my servant, is dead. It's very purposeful that, it's very, very purposeful that God's telling, Mo, telling Joshua that. Moses, my servant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you're my servant, and I'm going to tell you. And now, look, look what he says. He says, now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan. The command to arise and go, I want to share something with you that I believe is really true. I really believe that the command to arise and go are words and commands that, see if you can follow this, that only servants of the Lord hear them. And what I would tell you is that I think there's a lot of times in my life where I think the Lord has given me that commands to arise and go and cross over many Jordans and I, I'm not on the same frequency. Are you following? Because with the command to arise and go, Joshua does it. So he's on a frequency. He's, he's, he, but it's, it, one of the ways he's on that frequency is how he sees himself. He sees himself as the servant of, of the Lord. You see? So he's on this frequency. My dad, when he would call us in from... Um, Outside, we'd be outside playing. When he'd call us in, he had one of these whistles that you did this, you you know, but he didn't have to put his fingers in. He just went like that. And whenever we heard it, we knew that it was time to stop football, even though we had decided we're going to stop when the streetlights go off. It was time to stop and go home. It was that thing we were right hearing. And, uh, and I guess I would venture to tell you that sometimes I think I miss the whistle of the Lord because I'm, so, I'm doing my thing. Do you get what I'm saying to you? 
I'm doing, I'm, I'm busy, I'm serving the wrong God, and it's me. And I'm bowing to him a lot, and I miss the whistle. And there are areas right now, pay attention, young pilgrim, because there are areas right now in your life that God, the same yesterday, today, and forever, that the Lord is looking at you, I guarantee you, that the Lord is looking at you. If you lean in and listen strong enough, where is the Lord telling you, his servant, to arise and go, to stand up and go? Men, that may mean for you, I need to stand up, I need to bring in some other brothers into my life, and I need to stop being a pornaholic. It is destroying me I need to stand up. I need to move forward. I need to cross that Jordan. Do you hear the whistle? Ladies, it may mean that forever in my life I have lived the life of fear and trembling. Everything that approaches my life, I think about how in the world can I possibly get through this because my fears overtake me. You hear the whistle? Stop, young lady. Grab a hold of the Lord's hand. Be strong and courageous for the Lord your God. The Lord your God and your deliverer is with you. You don't have to be defined any longer by your past and by your pain. The Lord is your deliverer. Cross. Cross. Do you hear the whistle? You've got to tune in to hear it. And many times how we tune into that is if we're here and if we're with our friends praying, but we're tuning into what the Spirit has for us. Do you get it? I'm going to end on this. I need five more minutes. This was way more than that, but I'll cut it, and maybe we'll have to finish it up next week. I wanted to talk to you about service. I wanted to talk to you about being a servant. I wanted to talk to you about the massive difference between being a servant and doing acts of service. Trust me. Live one week. Just take one week where you say, Lord, I am your servant. And get ready because the Lord has many little Jordans for you to cross this week. You just got to tune in. You got you to you be listening for the whistle, baby. Listen for it. It'll be beautiful the way the Lord writes your story this week. Secondly, I want to talk to you about this, this concept in Joshua here. Let me get through this. In verse 5, he promises, God promises so many beautiful things in the story. In verse 5, God promises uh, Joshua invincibility. Look what he says. No man shall, shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Wow, what a cool promise that is. Just, look what he says. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Then go up there and look where it says there in verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Please let me finish this with you today. I really want to talk with you about this. And it's this idea of the promise that God gives us of his presence. 
the promise of God's presence. What God is saying to Joshua is this, and listen to this, sister and brother. You are not alone in this. Joshua, you do not have to depend upon your might and your smarts. I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will not drop you. Look back over the course of Moses' life, and do you see now how I was with all you guys? Do you see how I protected you? Do you remember the cloud? Do you remember the fire? Do you remember the manna? Even through all the wanderings in the wilderness, I was there, I'm here now, I will always be with you in your future. God promises us his presence. Sister, young sister, young, young man, listen to this. God has always promised his presence to his people and in the new covenant when Christ came because of the cross, now God's presence isn't just in the holy, holy, you know, what, the holy temple of the Old Testament, now God's presence is actually living where? Inside you. It's the miracle of the cross. God's promised you his presence. Jesus made it even the best reality possible. Now, I want you to be very clear on understanding something. He never promises us his presence. He never, say, or he never says in there, he never says, okay, I'm going to tell you that I promise you my presence and it's going to be really smooth sailing. No, the promise is I will be with you. It's not going to be smooth water. But many of us in this room and I'm winding down. Many of us in this room, let's be truthful, we are convinced that God has abandoned us. We believe because of uh, the pain involved in our lives that God has left us and he's forsaken us. That God has actually dropped us. And the minute, the second that something goes wrong with our lives, it's a miscarriage, it's a job, it's a job loss, it's a battle with addiction, it's a breakup, it's a breakdown. We're in the wilderness, we're in the woods. And here's what we do. And God couldn't possibly be in the woods. God couldn't possibly have a greater plan and the greater plan could actually be that he's with me in the woods. He couldn't possibly know what he's doing and so what we end up doing is we end up trying to serve what we would call a very fickle God. And fickle meaning God changes. He is not constant and he is not loyal in his affections. Let me tell you something, my friend. Let me ask you something. Are you in the woods? Let me ask you this. Are you in the woods? Are you in the wilderness? Are you in the line of the song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it? Are you in the woods? Second question, is God there? Has he left you? Do you actually believe it? Think about it. I'm actually challenging you on what you actually believe in the core, core, core part of your heart. Do you actually believe that the Lord is with you in your 
woods. Where is he? Is he close? Is he nearby? Has he left you? Is he mad at you? Has he gone back up to the porch to have a smoke and leaving you all alone? Is the Lord the Lord of the wood? Is the Lord sovereign enough to handle your darkness and your woods and your wilderness? Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is what? With you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Many of you have to really settle this. Just telling you. You have to settle this issue. Even in past issues of your life where you feel God totally abandoned me in my life during that time. Did he? Is that correct theology? Did he? Was God there? Did God turn his back on you when, finish the blank? That's not what the Lord is all about. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. The challenge this morning uh, to be a servant and to understand that you promise your presence to us is very difficult for me and very difficult for my friends as it seems to be all of your truth is for us. Lord, I pray that, I pray that we would be a people of confession. I pray that even now we would, we would confess things that are really in our heart. And the confession for many times to me is, I don't want to be your servant. It's too much pain. It's, it's, too, much, it's too much giving of my money. It's too much giving of my things. It's, it's, it's too much of someone, my Lord, having mastery over. I, I don't like that, Lord. I, conf- I, I would have to confess that. And many of us would. Lord, it scares us to know that you're a God who's present, even in our woods, in our wilderness. It's, it's deeply frightening. We deeply, deeply need you, Lord, to minister your presence to us. Please convict us of our need to have you near us. In everything that we're doing, we want to live so isolated. Lord, convict us of our need for your presence in our lives, that you're with us. Oh, Lord, what a good thing for us to hear this morning. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.